grow yourself and grow your marriage. Chris and Jonna here with the Grow Yourself, Grow Your Marriage podcast. This is episode number 82. Yes. On today's episode, guys, we got a chance to speak with our pastor, Aaron Swinson. And uh, what did we talk about today, John? Well, if you're listening to this on the day that this episode drops, which is January 20th, 2021, it's going to be super relevant because we talked about hope, putting your hope in politics. Yeah, so obviously a pretty relevant conversation if you're anywhere around that date or or feeling uh, feeling any type of way, whether it's positive or negative, about a new administration in the White House uh, in America. Uh, but uh, something else we also reference at the end of the podcast is a second podcast uh, that Aaron will bring up and we'll share more details with you guys uh, at the end on that. Yeah, basically, we've lost our minds, and we added a new episode every week to the Grow Yourself, Grow Your Marriage podcast, and we thought, we love podcasting so much, let's start another podcast. <laughs> yeah, so so we'll explain all that at the end, uh, but without further ado. Aaron Swinson. Aaron Swinson, welcome to the podcast again, man. Thank you so much for having me. Aaron, we're stoked to have you back, and we're especially excited about today's topic because I think that um, everybody, we're, at the time of recording, we're only, what, a little bit of week or two into 2021, and yeah. I think we could all use a little hope that it's going to be better because <laughs> right? right now it feels like we're still going down here on this roller coaster of what was 2020. I agree, man. I, uh, I I definitely felt, I remember at the, like the last half of 2020, I, I can't tell you how many times I said it like as a preacher, like, man, are we not looking forward to the end of 2020 and getting 2021 here? And like every time people are like, whoa, and they're, <laughs> everybody's looking forward to it. Sad part is, is like, man, it's the same thing. Maybe, maybe even weirder. Yeah, yeah. Maybe weirder. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's so. why I thought you were going to say looking forward to the end. And I was like, well, yeah, like if you're a Christian, let's go. But or like the end, right? the end. The end. That's what you're, I thought that's what you were saying. I was like, well, I mean, at this point, yeah, let's, let's go. I'm ready. Right. That's funny. It, that's funny. It's true. Well, well, something I frequently mention to people when they say, oh, okay, you know, it's okay. We're about to be through 2020. Everything's going to be okay. I'm like, well, hey, you know, just let me ask you a question. What evidence do you have that it's going to be okay? What evidence do you have that we are moving in the right direction? And uh, I think I think we can all agree uh, there's there's not a whole lot, huh? No, man. I mean, there. I mean, I'm no. <laughs> I had like my my mind was going like fifty different ways, and then like it just popped up. No, no. I mean, um, <laughs> just speak truth, Pastor. Just speak yeah. Truth. No, no. <laughs> Listen, I mean, whether you're indoctrinated in your own heart to be like a pessimist or an optimist at that point, that's kind of out the window. Like every, I don't care who you are, pessimism or optimism. You're just like, man, I, I'd like for this to be better, especially if you're a parent now too. Like you're just thinking about your kids and no matter how old they are, you know, you're looking at them, whether they're high school or college kids all the way down to newborns, you're like, oh, so this is the gift of the world that we give them. Right. And that's a challenge, you know, super big challenge. I'll say that's one of the things I've had the hardest time with. I feel like since we work from home and we're kind of used to being home, that hasn't changed a whole lot for us. But staring at the kids, that's when I get the most emotional because I can't help but think, you know, what what kind of world are you going to grow up in? Is it going to be weird for you to yeah. know that we used to be in crowds together, that we used to do things outside of our little group? Like, it's kind of kind of scary. It is. I think what's cool or not cool, I mean, uh, I just, I've had to remind myself of this uh, so many times that it feels so front burner, like the pot's boiling over and it's like boiling pasta. Like that's kind of what I feel like it's like right, right now, like it's just boiling o big time and it's spilling over. And one thing that's helped me kind of stay steady Eddie a little bit, if I can say it that way, uh, <laughs> is just to remind myself that 
every generation deals with a massive problem of some kind, you know, um, and and now that doesn't necessarily make me feel more at peace because that in and of itself isn't very hopeful, but what it does do is it does give me a little bit of a framework to say, oh, wow. So our parents' generation, they walked, I, I can remember my mom and dad telling me, you know, uh, when they were kids, you know, doing like the bomb drills uh, at school where they'd get under their desks, which obviously my kids have never done. Your kids have never done. Um, right. I, I was just listening to a show last night, like a TV show. We were watching it and they're making a comment about Stalin and how he killed like 20 million people. And I just thought to myself, oh my gosh, wow, that's insane. Uh, and it just kind of helped kind of frame my mind just for a second and was like, yeah, the Every generation has their bad thing, whatever that thing is, that they've got to learn how to navigate through. And it does absolutely shape your how you live your life. But anyway, sure. we all every generation deals with it. And so that has been a little bit of a thing to make me go, oh, okay, uh, we can get through this. We can get through it. Yes. Amen to that, man. So let's just go straight for the jugular and yeah. uh, and and let's dive into hope in a couple different ways here. Okay. So first yeah. off, culturally, how are we, how are we defining hope in this day and age? Well, according to the internet, the practical <laughs> definition, <laughs> wait, is it Google or duck, I duck, didn't, go? I don't, I <laughs> duck, duck, go. Okay. All right. <laughs> a feeling of expectation and desire for a certain thing to happen. Pretty, yeah. pretty simple, right? So a feeling, a feeling of expectation of looking towards the future of saying, oh, you know what, it's, it's going to get better. It can, it can only get, it can only get better from here. Right. And I think where we want to land today is it seems like we always depend on politics, right? We're yeah. always, we're always dependent on, you know, if we could just get this leader in, if we can just get this political party in, uh, then everything is going to be okay. Uh, and Ultimately, man, I, I'd love your thoughts on why we're culturally finding so much hope in politics. Don't worry. We're not going to we're not going to try to. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? To coerce anybody not, into right. our political beliefs. Yeah, there's no bait and switch here. No bait. And no. Switch. <laughs> yeah, I this is fascinating because uh, by the, the time that we're recording this, I'm actually preaching a sermon in the Gospel of Mark on authority um, where these powers at B are threatened by the power or the, the actual legitimate authority of Jesus and how he comes in, in this final week of his life, he's confronting these powers at B and, uh, and kind of exposing their power structures and all this kind of stuff. And, uh, I was just like, oh man, really? Like I, I, I was excited because like how God just works things out. You know, we planned this sermon weeks and weeks and weeks, honestly, months and months ago. And God knew in his sovereignty, how, you know, uh, what the world was going to be going through, particularly our world is going through. And so God's going to have some encouragement for us there. But, uh, I, I ran across this article that is entitled uh, Tribal Authority by uh, Kevin. He's the author is Kevin Williamson. Uh, and he really starts unpacking the idea of uh, a guy like Bill Gates who brokers all this power. He has a ton of power, but he also has a ton of money. And um, and then how he leverages that for political influence. And, and th- anyway, article is fascinating with regard to political authority and money as well, um, which is, I know, another topic we're wanting to talk about. But listen to this quote. This is crazy. He said, we worship power when we hold it or when it is held by a member of our tribe. And we fear power when it is welded by someone who seems to us alien and hostile. So I think what Kevin's saying is, is that we're all thirsty for power, we're all thirsty for control, for authority. And when we don't have it, we don't trust the one over there that is not a part of our tribe now because they have it. Uh, and we only trust power and authority to be good and righteous, if I could say it that way, if we're the ones holding it. Because why? 
because we get to define what righteous and good actually is. And so I, I just literally jotted in my notes, like, are you kidding me? Like, that's exactly what we're seeing right now. It, it, we see it every four years. It doesn't matter. And really, we see it every two years, if we're honest, with, with regard to politics, is that it's a constant power struggle over who's in power. And it's only righteous when we're the ones holding that power. Uh, which is interesting because if you break down like authority in and of itself, the only person that has authority is the creator. And I don't, don't go God first. I'm just saying like, if you, um, okay, Chris, you uh, used to do a fitness business, correct? Or are you mm-hmm. still doing that? I can't remember. <laughs> no. Uh-uh. Okay. So people came to you. Why did they come to you? They came to me because they wanted to get fit, man. Right, but why? What? Because he has six pack. I'm just oh, kidding. that's what it was. <laughs> I'm just trying to embarrass right. you. Oh, thank you. Had had right past tense. Now, now I see. I see the glory of the of the fast food and no, all, right. all the bad behaviors. Go on. Why did people come? Anyway, to oh, well, so in particular, people came to me because of my knowledge base to get them what they were looking for. That's right, because they didn't have that. They didn't have what you had. And so whether that be degrees, experience, time, whatever that is, you actually, they came to you because you were the authority in that industry and you were the author. That's what authority, the root of that is. You were the author of that. And so you have the authority and you have the power now. Um, the, the reality is, is we didn't create government. We didn't create uh, humanity. And so uh, government in and of itself uh, doesn't actually, that's not where the power lies. We think it does, uh, but the power lies in the one outside of that. And I know we're going to get to that in just a second. Uh, the sure. author and creator, that's where the authority actually comes from. But I think we all have a knee-jerk reaction to want deliverance, want change, want some sort of help, if you will. And we always have a tendency to look outside of, um, uh, we, we have a knee jerk thing in our hearts that go, I can't change that. So somebody else has got to change that for me. Uh, and that's not a bad quality, by the way, like that's not a bad quality to go. Yeah. I can't, I can't get myself healthy because I don't have the knowledge base. So I got to go to somebody who can, I can't get myself out of this financial jam. So I go to a financial coach. We can't get ourselves out of this situation as a people uh, with a disunity and all emotions erupting like a volcano every five minutes, like as a, as a civilization, as Americans. So obviously if we can't do it, something outside of us can. And so there's this like uh, almost pie in the sky type thing of, oh, that guy or that girl, that elected official uh, can can pull us out of this mess. I mean, how many times have a presidential candidate said that? So-and-so totally screwed that up and we're going to fix it all. Uh, right. And then, hey, no, they screwed it up. Now we're going to fix it all. Well, like that's the platform of every president like in America forever. Right. <laughs> like that's been the platform. They're dumb. We're smart. Let's move on. I agree. I feel like that's something I've really been thinking about lately because because of how crazy these times are, it's so easy to let your focus go there if you're not careful and start to put your hope in that person, your yep. candidate to make the change that you want. But I realize, especially amidst the whole cancel culture thing, I was talking to Chris the other day. I'm like, man, I think I realize the problem here is people are putting godlike expectations on human beings there you to go. be perfect that those human beings cannot fulfill. And whether they're a Christian or not, that's what they're doing with the cancel culture thing. A human being says one thing in the wrong way or offends one side of the party. And it's just like done like mayhem. And so I realized like so many of us Christians, non-Christians are putting our hope in that and in, in the candidate who cannot fulfill what God can. <laughs> mm, you better preach. Dude. No doubt. And I, what's interesting about that, Jonna, I, I think that's important to say is like, again, whether you're a, a Christian today and you're listening or not, uh, the Bible has this idea that says where two or three are gathered in my name, there I'll be with them also. It's just this idea of like community and and God shows up when his people show up. Okay, stop there just for a second. Now, um, what's interesting about that is that when you get two or three people together uh, in a room uh, with regard to politics, you're going to have not just 
two or three opinions, you're going to have like 75,000 opinions right. about every single issue. And every single issue in those opinions are is extremely nuanced, big time, huge, 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 huge. Now, what's interesting is, is what you said, Jana, is that we have a tendency to, to uh, toss upon these systems and structures a, a hope and trust uh, that they will bring about the change and deliverance that we all want. Here's what's interesting. You get two or three people in a room together with two or three different opinions. Then you get congressmen and women and other elected officials. And then, you know, you got lobbyists and then you've got other, you know, political advisors. And I mean, just the list just starts getting buried and buried and buried and buried. What's interesting is that anytime you have a human structure, the problem with the human structure is the human structure. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's, it's people, it's people. Mm-hmm. And every system is flawed. Um, and again, if you're a, uh, it's never going to be perfect. So like our political system is never going to be perfect. It's not like we should be like, oh man, we should go back to a monarchy. Well, no, because that system is a human system too. That's also flawed. And the democratic Republic is a human system that is flawed and it was never meant to be your great savior. It was meant to help and guide and structure, but it's still a fallen system. I all bet, uh, a great system. A democratic republic is a great system, uh, but it's 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 not meant to be sovereign. It's not meant to be omniscient. It's not meaning knowing, all seeing, all knowing, and it's not meant to provide that euphoric deliverance that I think a lot of us want. It's not meant for that. We've tried to make it that, but it 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 can't hold. It ha- doesn't have the credibility, if I could say it that way. Like it just yeah. doesn't have the credibility to hold that. Uh, it was never meant to be that, you know. Um, so yeah. yeah. Dude, yes, I, that is such a strong point. And I want to ask you this question. Like, where's the balance? Does the Bible talk about a way that we can obviously be vigilant, but yep. not make it our idol and our and our religion per se? Can I piggyback off that and ask you, yeah. is there is the biblical version of hope, is the definition different? Because I feel like a lot of times worldly definitions and biblical definitions kind of um, are opposite. Oh, yeah. So- Here's a here's a great thought that everything God creates, Satan counterfeits. Mm. So every everything that God creates, Satan counterfeits because he the scripture tells us he he masquerades like an angel of light. And so it's fake. You know, uh, it's a copycat of what God uh, has designed so that he can distract you and get you and me to get all sideways on a bunch of other stuff. And so like with hope, that's it. If he can create something that's anti-God, but feels like God, then uh, I can uh, deceive, which he is the great deceiver, and it feels noble, it feels right, it feels good, but it's at its root, at its root is a deception. And so I don't think that I'm saying, I don't want to, I don't want our listeners to think that like, I'm not calling you out. Okay. I'm just saying that that's a fact, you know, from the beginning of time that Satan has counterfeited everything that God has done. And so with regard to Christian hope, what makes it unique is that Christian hope is not about a a wishful thinking or a feeling um, because feelings come and go, you know, like uh, you ever had, you know, that irrational fear just pop up in your head, like where you're like, you can't get a hold of your spouse. And you're like, you you were like going to Kroger and, or you were going to the grocery store and it's like been an hour and you just had to go get milk and cheese. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. That's random, (laughs) but you know, milk and bread. bread, Sorry. Yeah. Milk and bread. Milk bread next. Yeah. (laughs) Coffee creamer or whatever. That's all you had to go get. And like what happened? Well, if your wife goes and she's a stay at home mom, you know what happened. She's got silence, so just give her a break. But in, in right. my mind, I can't tell you how many times, like uh, I, my mind just works in a circle. It, psychologically, it does too. And so it just comes down and you convince yourself that your wife has been kidnapped, you know, and and your brain just uh, thinks in that circle. And dude, I just had a moment where my brain just literally went in a circle. I can't even remember the point I was trying to make. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh that's okay man. for those of you that don't You're know about we're recording feelings. this super super early by the way uh, uh yeah right. um 
you were talking about feelings and how they're oh, not yeah. they there you go. go. Yeah, thanks. Thank you. So the feeling, so that feeling fades quickly because of the circumstances. So circumstances uh, kind of push in these feelings. And so if you can't get a hold of your wife, you're handshaking when you're calling her on the phone and uh, you begin to pace in the room, you know, uh, where are they at? What's happening? Oh my gosh, I can't get a hold of them. Why are they not listening? When all the while she's got an Apple watch, she's like totally declining you every time you call because <laughs> she just wants a break, you know, um, right. because those feelings just start to go out of control. And so that's when your hope is based on wishful thinking or a feeling that something you hope something is going to happen. Uh, man, that that's what I think we're seeing play out is this wishful thinking. I, I, I don't know for sure, uh, which is the same in, as a Christian. There are things that you don't know for sure all the time, uh, but our hope isn't based on a feeling. Uh, as a follower of Christ, our hope is a not a feeling, but a confident expectation. Hey everybody, Chris and Jonna here. Wanted to tell you real quick about Marriage Helper. Yeah, Marriage Helper is dedicated to restoring marriages through proven research-based relationship education. And the coolest thing I think about them is they have a 77% success rate at saving marriages on the brink of divorce. Yeah. And also guys, you know, they're legit when they've been featured on the Dave Ramsey show, the Today Show, Good Morning America, Fox Business, Women's Day, and so much more. They've got courses, they've got coaching programs, and then they've got their flagship event, which is a three-day workshop, which is supposed to be a total game changer for any marriage. They have courses that cover uh, anything for the hurt spouse through an affair, reconciliation in the marriage, deepening sexual intimacy, and I mean, just a ton more. I'm not going to read them all here. (laughs) (laughs) So if you're somebody who has uh, lost hope in your marriage or just feels like it needs uh, a reboot here. Go ahead and check out the link we have for you. Marriagehelper.com forward slash, this is kind of a long one, question mark REF equals GYGYM. So marriagehelper.com forward slash, question mark REF equals sign GYGYM. Gotta love that. All right, guys, back to the show. Okay. Christian hope is different in that it is a confident expectation that God is in control and that he is working all things out for the good of those who love him, which is what our scripture tells us, and that are called according to his purpose. And so he is allowing, now again, we're getting into a deeper issue and I can just kind of touch this real quick. It's when it comes to God being in control, it's called sovereignty and providence. And here's what that looks like. Providence is simply this. God leverages the circumstances of the world and allows things to play out to accomplish his will. That would be God's providence happening. A great example of that is the book of Esther. The book of Esther doesn't even mention God at all, not even a name. And you're like, where's God's hand in all this? Well, you can't see God's hand through the book of Esther uh, physically, but you can see traces of his handwriting all throughout there uh, with how he allows things to happen, raises up godly leaders, puts them into power. That's Esther's story, man. She was a a political leader that was raised into power uh, and God allowed that to happen. And she saved her people. Uh, because of being at the right place at the right time for a time such as this, which is where that uh, whole phrasing came from was the book of Esther. And so you've got that, that's providence, but then God's sovereignty is where God is actually actively, physically working things out for his good and uh, and moving, if you could say, moving pieces to play. And so as a Christian, you balance both of those. You're like, man, I trust God's providence, but I trust God's sovereignty as well. Um, and I have a confident expectation that there's hope, not just now because he's working all that out, but a hope later, like Jonna said, like, is it the end? Well, Christians have an end. We have an end game hope too, if that makes sense. Right. Yeah, dude, I love that. And what comes to my mind instantly is someone who says, okay, oh, Aaron, wait. So you're saying that the coronavirus and all of these, all of these terrible things that happened in 2020 and the things that continue to happen, this is part of God's plan? Like, yeah, like what? That's a, that man, that's a great question. Um, and I appreciate you bringing that up. Um, I, listen, as a, as a finite being, which is us, we're finite beings. We can't know all things. We can't see all things. We can't, you know, we, we don't know 
Like our scope is so limited, you know, like, Hey, we live in Cincinnati. We live close to Louisville, you know, with uh, horse racing is massive. And uh, man, when you see those horses, they've got those little blinders on the side so that they can't get distracted from all everything going on around them. If you could just think about it for a second, the human's perspective is like a thoroughbred horse. Even if we're really awesome, we still can't see to our right or to our left. Our, our, our vision is so finite and God is literally like, you know, if you could, for sake of analogy, he's the drone footage for NBC when they're doing the breeders cup. Like right. he could see the whole thing Love happen it. at one time. And so, uh, yeah, so we're super, 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 super limited in our scope of what we can actually see. So, um, what I would be really careful, like, I'm not the guy who's like the coronavirus is God's judgment on the human race. No, I don't, I'm not right. that. I don't, I don't necessarily believe that. Um, but what I, it's not my job to discern whether this is God allowing, which would be providence, allowing that to happen, or is this God's sovereign hand? Maybe may I, I don't feel the tension in my own soul to resolve that. My What I say is that I trust the Lord. Uh, I have a confident expectation that he is working things out for his glory and for my good and for the good of humanity. And I'm going to trust in that, whether it's providence or sovereignty. At this point, I don't even care uh, because I trust him. Um, and, uh, and so it, it, I, I don't know if that answers your question and I, I, I hope I'm not scapegoating the question, uh, but I, I don't No, No, Yeah. No, I think that's good. I think it's good reminder. And something that I always try to focus on is no matter which way that falls, like you said, I know that what's meant for evil, God can use for good. And I feel like I've seen that through all of this. I've seen a lot of people coming to faith or refining their faith or realizing what's important because there's less distractions. It's interesting. I'm like thinking about the blinder thing that you're talking about. And like that kind of just made me think of how important it is to make sure our focus is on the right thing when our perspective is so limited. And also, because I just don't want to forget to say it, I was thinking earlier It makes sense. I think that the fact that people put their hope, people we as human beings put our hope in so many things is just proof that God's wired us to have that hope in him because it always falls. It always falls short. So we're going to go through this, um, hopefully a multi-part series. I don't want to promise too much because we don't know exactly how it's going to go, but we're going to go through this and talk about the different things that we find ourselves hoping in. And it's just interesting because none of them, none of the things that we hope in in a cultural worldly standard, right. Fulfill. Right. So. Yeah. Let me draw. Yeah. Can I draw us back to something about what you just said? Of course. Um, yes. So um, in the old Testament, for those of our listeners who don't necessarily know this, God, and for whatever reason he decided chose that Israel would be his people, like his chosen race. And what's interesting about that is that when at way back, like early old Testament, early old Testament, it was like God and, Israel. And that was it. And all these other nations started to pop up as the population began to grow. And all these other countries started to, uh, you know, um, pop up and they all had leaders. They all had like, you know, kings and subjects and queens and princes and princesses and all this kind of stuff. And what's interesting is, is that Israel's off over here having God as her leader. Uh, and, uh, and really it was like the way that functioned is like the priests, you know, the spiritual leaders that they were speaking on behalf of God to the people and God was with them and guiding them and leading them. And what's interesting is Israel goes, yeah, we don't want that. We want a king. We want, we want a king. And God's like, nah, I don't, I don't, I don't think you want a king. <laughs> I don't think you want a king because uh, I know how this whole thing plays out. And you're going to put your hope in the king. You're going to put your trust in the king. The king's going to fail you. And the king's going to be a knucklehead and he's not going to make great decisions. Um, and uh, you don't want a king. No, 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 God, we want a king. No, you don't. Yes, you do. Back and forth over and over and over again. Well, then finally God says, okay, okay. You think a king is such a good call for you. I'll give you a king. Well, God gave them Saul. Saul was a super good looking dude. I mean, like Russell Crowe from 300, you know, I mean, just this ripped (laughs) guy, you know, uh, stood head and shoulders above every other person in the nation of Israel. So he's a good looking guy, strong military uh, mind, but yet he was prideful 
and arrogant. And as he began mm-hmm. to win, as he began to uh, take dominion and flex his authority, which what happens, it's like a quote I read earlier, man, when you get power and you weld that power, man, you start to feed off of that. And then you get prideful and arrogant, which is exactly what we see even in an American system, whether you're a Democrat or a yes. Republican, conservative or liberal or whatever, and anything in between. Um, when you start getting power and authority, you're starting to, it, it starts to feed your human pride of going, look how much we can do. Look how much I can do. Uh, when right there is when we find ourselves in a problem. And that was really the downfall of the nation of Israel was why would you want a king when you have a Lord? You already have one in God. Um, and he is the preferred leader uh, who is unflawed, completely certain and completely valuable and values all people. Why would you go to a king who would then marginalize people and oppress people and uh, grab and build kingdoms for himself and not for the great king, which is Jesus Christ? Why would you do that? And so then after Saul, you just have tra- Well, you have David, but then there are just moments uh, of Israel's leadership, of great leadership in political in the political sphere, and then tragic leadership, great leadership, tragic leadership, great leadership, tragic leadership, and man, that's the ebb and flow of the human system. When in reality, it all started with saying, "Why don't you just let me be your leader? Let me be your leader," and that solves everything. Which I'm trying to challenge all of us to go. Maybe that's the better option. Right. Is why don't we all just let God be our leader? And maybe that's the maybe that's a better option. Yeah. Gosh, man. See, I love that you brought that up because I feel like so many people are like, oh, the Bible is just so irrelevant. It 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 doesn't even relate to the times today. And the fact that we can take the story of Saul and we can actually see that, you know, thousands of years ago, it played out just like it's playing out yeah. now. They were in the same, with, the same ebb and flow. Exactly. With a spirit of deception. Yeah. Just, just like you said earlier, it's like we talk about how, how, God will take what the enemy meant for evil and turn it for yep. good. But you can also flip that on its head, right? And yeah. say, you know, God God very, very likely meant for leaders to be there under God, kind of like David, yep. right? But ultimately, it, again, it comes down to us flawed human beings. And I feel like in this time of division, in this time of, of, of politics just being every which way and everyone having their opinions and everything, what it's come down to is truly a spirit of deception where we are living vicariously through these leaders, through these parties. Uh, and then from there, again, it just comes back to, well, the human heart is selfish. The human yeah. heart just wants more and more and more. And and that's what we see in so many extreme ways right now. We think about all of the agendas that are happening right now on both sides because right. there, there are things that are pandering on both yep. sides of the equation. And we, we look at that and really where that stems from, correct me if I'm wrong, is just more. Just yeah. more, more, more. I want more and never and never satisfied with the power they have. Yeah, totally. Here's something interesting that I think we've all got to consider. And uh, it, I, I'd like to just allow our friends who are inquisitive to faith uh, to kind of just peek into this conversation for ju- this little part right here just for a second. And if you love, the, if you love Jesus and you would call yourself a follower of Jesus, let, let me just say this, whether it is God's sovereignty or God's providence, Regardless, God is accomplishing his purpose, period, period, Mm. uh, through whatever means he does. So what that means, and I'm just going to get super direct. So what that means is that every president in America has been a part of accomplishing God's plan. That even includes Kamala Harris and Joe Biden, for those of you that are conservative. And it included Donald Trump and Mike Pence. If you're on the other side of the aisle, uh, it included Barack Obama and Joe Biden. It included both Bushes. It included Bill Clinton. It included, you know, um, just go back through the line. I'm, I'm showing my regard for forgetting who's that line <laughs> there. But right. uh, my point is, is that like it's now the duty of a follower of Jesus to take people and say, okay, so God's going to accomplish His plan in the world. So now my job. Um, whether I agree or disagree, is to pray for the heart of Joe Biden, that God would give him wisdom, that God would give Kamala Harris wisdom, that he would surround them with women and men who love Jesus and that are on both sides of the aisle, because it's inappropriate to say that only Christians are on one side of the aisle. That's ridiculous. Um, That's not even real. And so it's our job to say, hey, God, raise up these men and women who love the Jesus and surround them with truth and wisdom. Um, and, uh, And so it's 
our job to do that now as followers of Jesus, no matter where your political influence might be coming from, that is the call of the follower of Jesus. And I just, I, I, I know this to be true because I've asked people in my now adulthood of uh, being a pastor, depending on your political persuasion, you didn't pray for your president. Like you didn't pray for your president, mm. you know, and, um, and, and I'm telling you, I've served as a pastor with Democrat presidents and Republican presidents and on both sides of the aisles and churches that I've led with people, they just didn't do it. They, they, they wouldn't do it if they didn't affirm the values that they did. Um, and I, I think that's a lose. That's a lose. Uh, for the body of Christ. Sure. And so I think what you do is don't put your hope and trust in a particular leader, um, but you do put your hope and trust in the one who is sovereign over the heart, who is sovereign, to, that can change someone's heart, that can renew somebody's mind. Uh, and you say, hey, Lord, just give these folks wisdom and surround them in prayer. And honestly, I've made a practice. I'm not perfect at it and I don't do it every day. But when God brings it to my heart, I try to pray for these leaders by name. And uh, and that's that's just kind of like a t- of a tangible put a nugget on it hey christian i think it's your it's our job now uh, as you know uh, by the time of this recording you know you're facing inauguration you're moving well into the first month the first quarter like it's time for us to just say whatever happened happened but it's time for us now to say hey let's begin praying for these leaders and praying for the cabinet and praying for these people that's that's our role now whether you agree with every platform they're going to take that's actually our role now Yes, man. Dude, that is that is powerful. And it actually leads me to a pressing question I personally had that I will steal some airtime for here yeah. with you. And that is if we are men and women of integrity and we are men and women that are that are following following God, is there a place where if we feel like things are going in the wrong direction, Christians should be stepping up and getting involved in politics? And and let me kind of say that in this way it almost feels like it's teetering on like, well, let's go solve our own problems. Yeah. And that's not what I'm getting at. But but what I'm getting at is this. We look at what happened with the Capitol. Yeah. We look at all the people who, who were hurt, who were who were who were frustrated and mad, and they resorted to violence. But there are better ways to to solve problems, right? Yeah. Through persuasion, through actually strategically jumping in and, and, and being a part of something. Mm-hmm. So what would you say in regards to Christians stepping up in politics? Yeah, totally. I, 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 the answer to that question is yes, I think they should. I, I come from, I hail from the great state of Oklahoma, even though now I consider Ohio my home and I love, I love Ohio. Uh, but my roots are in Oklahoma. And there was, a, there's a guy, Senator James Langford. He, uh, he used to be, uh, in the uh, Christian circles that I ran around. He was kind of like the statewide youth pastor. This is years and years ago, you know, so he was like youth pastor to youth pastors. And, uh, and he felt God calling him to get into politics. And now he's Senator. James Langford and he's he's the redhead with a booming voice and um, and he's he's a good dude loves the Lord and has uh, done some really really good things uh, another example the um, he used to be the Attorney General of Oklahoma Scott Pruitt uh, he was actually a part of uh, the Trump administration uh, for a couple of years and uh, he went to my church that I was served at and uh, love the Lord and used to lead young adult ministry at the church many, many, many years ago, him and his wife did. And uh, Scott Pruitt loves Jesus, man, and and got involved uh, at the local level, then the state level, and then obviously was appointed by President Trump uh, in his administration for a while. So I think what's interesting about that is, is like you take it as far as the Lord leads you to take it. And, um, and you're there as long as you feel God calling you to be there, which would be, uh, you could see from both of those two examples, uh, the tenure that they both have had, you know, and there are good Christian men and women at various levels of politics in your local community, all the way up to they're sitting in the White House right now, you know, and uh, I mean, right now, our press secretary for Donald Trump is a committed follower of Jesus, you know, Um, and many, many, many administrations have had Democrat and Republican people who love Jesus and are coming there uh, with that idea to serve and uh, and serve Jesus while serving uh, the American people. And so, uh, yes, get involved at the level that you feel God calling you to do it. Uh, I definitely think you should because, you know, it's, I don't know, I don't think the world should do a better job, or I don't think culture should do a better job of a Christian virtue than Christians should, which would be. Oh, dang. Oh, would, Say that's that good. Again. I don't think the world should do a better job. Uh, upholding a Christian virtue, then a Christian should hold up that virtue. And it doesn't mean that we're going to be perfect, 
But what I'm saying is, is that if the idea of politics is to serve the American people, shouldn't the church be really, really, really good at that? Shouldn't they be? Yes. And so, they should. Yes. now we're not perfect, but, uh, but yeah. So hopefully that put a bow on it. It was a little bit of a long winded bow, but. No, <laughs> great. Fine. Chris, you're a podcaster, not a politician. Just <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, uh, I'm not saying I would go into no, politics, I but I do think, I do think something I've heard said that I very much so agreed with is, you know, you get angry and you think to yourself, well, the only thing I can do is resort to violence. But true. like, like I said previously, anybody can shed blood, yeah. right? Anybody can shed blood. Any, any barbarian with half a brain can shed blood, but, but actually jumping in and saying, well, if I don't believe my vote counted, then I, I need to go in and be an election official. I need to, I need to go work the polls. Like there, there are always solutions yeah. to these problems. And I think what you said was was so powerful and important um, about making sure that Christians are upholding those Christian virtues within politics yeah. and not letting the world do it for us. Because I think there's a fear, like even John is saying right now, kind of half kiddingly, she's like, well, don't don't go into politics. And I think that's probably twofold. One, it's like, well, shoot, it's super dangerous. Sure. Um, and then and then two, what it comes down to is there's so much corruption, we believe, yeah. that why would you want to take a Christian and corrupt them? But I look at it in the other way. I'm like, look, if you have God's, if you have God's will and power in you to move into politics, I believe you can create change and, and make a change even on a local level, even on a local level. Well, we, you know, you guys have heard me say this so many times and, you know, a lot of people want the change in the white house, but it happens in your house first. So, I mean, that's, yeah. that's actually the yes. truth. And so the, the, you know, us living for Christ, I heard a gal say this, um, a couple of weeks ago or whatever, it was a podcast. I actually think maybe Chris, you sent it to me, but her idea was the she called it the silent rebellion of daily obedience. Like I thought that was, that was pretty legit. Yeah. Uh, that is the silent rebellion of our generation of saying, Hey, I'm just going to be obedient to Jesus in the day-to-day li- living of my life. And that's the hard part. It's really easy to get flared up about a, a particular issue and just go just bonkers over that, you know, just get bonkers over it. Uh, but it's real hard every day to die to the flesh, die to your own desire and to live for Christ. That's the silent rebellion. And that is just living in my head right now. And that would be the call for the follower of Jesus. Like, Hey, in these times live for Christ and be the light. And, um, and remember there is corruption in every human system. Make no mistake about it, man. Like that's just the way it is. It's in every business. It's in every church. It's in every like, dude, how many churches have you seen get sideways on power? You know, people jockeying for, give me a break. I mean, like, that's why, that's why people outside of the church are like, yeah, I'm out. Like, that's just dumb, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, because power hungry, people go to there and that's, we don't want any of that. Like, I don't want to lead a church like that. You guys don't want to be a church part, a part of a church like that. And your listeners, whether they're church people or not, they're like, yeah, I don't want that either. Um, Because where, where people are at, there is a tent, there is a piece for uh, when humans are involved. Uh, It's very, very easy to just get sideways and trust the system versus the author of the system, which is God. And that's what is unique about the Christian hope. Aaron, I guess I would ask you, I think what we're trying to accomplish here is say, okay, here's what culture says. Culture right now, they're clinging to their political beliefs. They are, they, they're clinging to, to the change that they want to see done. Um, and then the Christian hope, like you said, and dude, I think you wrapped this up in a bow quite nicely. What it comes down to, correct me if I'm wrong, and, and you can unpack this and, and build on this, but the change starts in us and in our homes. Yeah. Yeah. Friends who are listening today, like you have to just take a moment and ask yourself, where am I placing my hope? And is that working? That's the actual, is is that actually working? Is it working to put, (laughs) let me just put it like this. This just came to me. Okay. This is totally off the cuff. All right. Ask yourself this question with regard to just politics. Am I placing my hope in a donkey or an elephant? Ask yourself that question, (laughs) am I? And then ask yourself, is it working? Now then ask this, what if I place my hope in a lamb? 
Mm. Not a donkey, not an elephant, but a lamb. And it was Jesus where he showed up on the scene and John the Baptist was the great preparer of the way. And he was baptizing in this particular river over uh, in the Middle East. It's called the Jordan River. And as he was doing this, um, he sees Jesus come by and he says to the crowds, he stops everything. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And wouldn't that be, could that be a better option from a donkey to an elephant to a lamb? And putting your hope in a lamb. And that lamb is the one who changes everything. And maybe that's the place where our hope should go. Amen. Which, which from an applicable perspective, comes down to living like Jesus. Yep. Which, whether you're a believer or not, if you know anything about Jesus, you know the values and the morals that he brought are things that we would all deem good. Oh, man. I mean, one of our great founding fathers, Benjamin Franklin, you know, what didn't necessarily jive with all things Christian, but he did look at Jesus and say, dude, that guy was a legit moral teacher. And so even if you just look at the flat morals, I dare you, like I dare anybody just to just look at how he lived his life and see how he lived and then say that that's our target. That's the one that we would pursue. Uh, that's the one that uh, we would go after and chase after and we want to be like. And if we're doing that, if Christians all over this space began to do that, maybe just maybe that might start making the difference that uh, we all probably are longing for and hoping for. I think that what's powerful about that is that times are very dark to most people right now. So if the Christians can shine brighter, not because of our own selves, right. but because we are, because Jesus is in us, then that's going to look more attractive when things are so yeah dim and frankly hopeless to many people right now. So takeaways are for me in my mind, you're, I'm hearing be, be the change you want to see in your home, which is so like, it sounds corny, like the whole, like Michael Jackson lyrics, like looking in the mirror, what, what are they? Man in the mirror. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah, no, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. I love that song. But yes, start, you know, making sure that you're leading in your home, like Jesus and praying for the leaders, regardless of your views that, as as simple as that one sounds, that was kind of like a light bulb moment for me. Like, duh, even if I see a leader as um, somebody that I don't agree with and and quite frankly, like, well. Maybe, well, maybe the devil deceives us to, to be angry. Well, maybe you right? don't even no, trust no. them. You don't trust them. So you don't. You don't you, That's yeah, what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah I, I agree. So you don't even think about that. But then it's yeah. like, well, duh, I've seen time and time and time and time and time again through the Bible and in, in my actual lifetime, how God can turn anybody's heart to good. Yes. And so if all of us Christians were praying for the candidate, the president, regardless of our beliefs in them, don't you think that would, I mean, you said earlier, two or more gathered, there's power yeah. in that prayer. So if we're all collectively praying for our leaders in our country, I, I really do. Can I piggyback yes. off of your, your little uh, unpacking yeah. thing? I think what's interesting, and I, I don't know why I didn't say this before, but what you're saying, John, and what I'm trying to get at is that if you're a follower of Jesus, that supersedes you being an American. It supersedes you being mm -hmm. a, a conservative. It supersedes you being a liberal, like you're a Christian first, uh, and that is your identity first. And so that compels you first to pray for those in leadership over us, regardless of their political platform. That is what drives us first is that we're Christians. And then down the line, like way down the line, by the way, uh, are your political platforms and persuasions and philosophies like way down the line. Cause you're a dad. If you're a dad, you're a mom, you're a mom and you're, you know, a uh, husband. Well, it's actually Jesus follower, husband to wife, wife to husband, parent, all the way down to eventually it's like, oh, yeah, well, I happen to vote this way or I happen to vote that way. It's like that. So I would just say yes. that's a that's a very valid, very important, you know, nugget that is worth remembering that. Oh, remember, I'm a Jesus follower first. Mm. Yes, man. I love that. OK, so we talked about what the Christian can do, right? Yep keep living like Jesus. We also alluded to those who are saying, Hey, look, I don't, I don't really believe in this God thing, but yeah, you're right. It seemed like Jesus had moral character. So look, if this guy was real, I'd like to live like him. So, so I'm going to put you on the spot here, Pastor Aaron, yeah. give me some application for someone who's like, okay, I've never really opened the Bible. Every time I have, it's kind of boring. Uh, ultimately, where do I go with this? If I want to learn more about Jesus, give me, give me somewhere to go. Okay. 
to the person who is inquisitive, I want to say that Christianity has satisfied the brightest minds in all of the world. God is not playing hide and seek. He is not lurking in the shadows. Uh, he can be found and, uh, and you just have to open your eyes. I would start with that. Let me say this, two things. Number one, uh, I would ask you to consider to consider as we launch our More Than Sundays podcast, uh, a particular feature of that is going to be um, the experience with uh, our sermons that we have at the church that I pastor. And I would ask you to consider tuning into those and just opening your heart to a space where it's like, hey, could I be doing this wrong? Could I be, could it, could life be better and, and ask your, and create space in your own heart for the reality that maybe what's happening, maybe what you're, how you're living your life and governing your life is not necessarily all bad, but maybe it's just not working to the level you want it to. Maybe there is a better way and that better way would be the way of Jesus. And so I would say, tune into our, our episodes uh, with regard to our Sunday sermons, um, because what we do is we open God's word, teach God's word and point people to Jesus. Our trick play is Jesus, <laughs> that there is no other uh, way about it. And so we're trying to put Jesus on front street every single sermon, every single time. Uh, and then I would just encourage you uh, to uh, continue to tune in uh, to this podcast as we unpack uh, just what what it looks like. The idea of More Than Sundays is that it's not just about going to a church and sitting in a room and hearing somebody talk for an hour. It's really about living your life Monday through Saturday. Uh, it's more than Sunday. And so uh, if you stick around with us long enough, I just have confidence enough in the Lord uh, that he'll allow you to see maybe a different pathway that might open your heart to a, a fruitful life. Yes. And so stick around with us. That'd be my two things or my one thing, I guess. Amen. Yeah. Dude, I love it. And I'm going to put one more thing on you, you here. Do you know how many times you said one no, more no, no. thing? Oh, I'm going to put one more, one more thing more. on you here. I'm going yeah. to ask you to to come up with a sermon that we can attach in the show notes here. That oh, gotcha. That is going to- A good, uh, good start. Yeah, yeah. going to be a great start for somebody. Cool? Gotcha. All right. It's in the show notes then, officially. All right. Go team. I'm excited. It's great. Yeah, Thanks, absolutely. Aaron. Cool. Thanks for being on the show, Aaron. Awesome stuff, man. And we look forward to continuing these conversations on the More Than Sundays podcast, which we will, uh, we will share all that uh, with our listeners. Guys, thanks so much for listening to the show. You heard Aaron mention the More Than Sundays podcast. And so now we can tell you a little bit about what that means. Yeah. So the More Than Sundays podcast is a chance for us to navigate and you guys to be able to navigate a conversation with a pastor. Take normal people like me and Jonna and bring up questions that are really relevant to today's society and be able to get answers from a, from a pastor in real time. We have such a growing passion for truth, and the podcast platform is such a good way to spread that out there. So that's, I mean, that's why we're starting a second, a second, a podcast, second podcast. Believe it or not, yeah. So uh, also more than Sundays, the concept behind it is that look, those of us who go to church, we go to church, we get filled up, and we're like, okay, well now what? So how does the church live? like Christ on more than just Sundays? And how do we, again, navigate those conversations where we have questions? Uh, and so, like I said, we're able to do that and we're excited to bring it to you guys. Uh, the date as of this launch of this podcast tonight is actually going to be uh, to be determined. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> I was going to say, do we have we, eh, soon-ish? We'll let you guys know. So, is that all we got for him, babe? That's it. All right, that wraps it up. Thanks so much for listening to the Grow Yourself, Grow Your Marriage podcast. If today's episode brought you value, please go ahead and hit the share button. And do not forget to subscribe.